The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. Everybody, it is Wednesday, August 23rd, and it's just me, it's just Billy Ray, and I'm here in my parents' basement. And there's nothing wrong with that because it'd be like that sometimes. I'm back in New Jersey for a few days. Pat and I made the road trip up from Charlotte after beers, donuts, and miles. Let me tell you, beers, donuts, and miles, if you're looking for a challenge, okay, and you have to do this responsibly, nobody is encouraging any unresponsible activity, but The challenge is, over the course of one day, 50 total miles, beers drank, and donuts consumed. Pat Finn put in a Herculean performance in which he ran literally a marathon. The way I broke it down, I did 17 17 donuts, 20 beers, 13 miles. was a ton of fun. Shout out to everybody who participated. Dave Naus put up incredible numbers. Griffin made it happen. Uh, Jay Litt made it happen. He put in a Herculean effort as well. So shout out to everybody in Charlotte who put it together. And Bryce Chalkley, who organized the entire thing and allowed us to use his porch for the event. So shout out to everybody. Uh, a couple other notes and things to think about. We recorded our Hot Wings and Hot Takes episode as well. That is available on our YouTube channel. It was fantastic. Ton of fun. It was the first time we ever had a film crew come in and do some work like that before. So if you listened on the podcast or if you haven't heard it yet before, go on over to our YouTube channel. Check it out. Help us share it. A lot of planning, a lot of resources, and a lot of things had to go right to make that happen. So we would appreciate if if you do check that out. So today... We have our season preview being recorded on Thursday night. I wanted to get in here and talk about a few things before we did that. Um, Just kind of a lay of the land here on what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the quarterback that we named to be the starter. That happened today. We are going to talk about the awesome documentary that came out, Swamp Kings, about the Florida dynasty under the Urban Meyer era and some of the reactions that we saw coming off of that. Uh, and some other interesting roster updates. So that's the show today. It's just me. It's just you. Let's have some fun. Um, First and foremost, I do want to start this podcast by extending our um, thoughts, our prayers, and our condolences to Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley is a Virginia Tech alumni. He was drafted by the Tennessee Titans, and this week was struck with a unimaginable unimaginable tragedy. Um, His house in Morton, I believe, North Carolina, literally exploded. Um, Father passed away. And and Caleb, look, Caleb's an incredible kid. He has been through so much um, 
since I've really had the opportunity to know him. Um, dealing with his mother's passing and during his college career, injuries in college, and now this. Um, Caleb is a wonderful kid. I hate to see that this happened to him. Um, but we're thinking about him, and um, there's there's not really much else you can say other than that. So um, thinking of you, Caleb, and and wishing him um, all the best as he as he deals with something that you can't possibly wrap your head around. So um, there's that. Moving on to quarterback, which was addressed after all year. There was speculation. Is it going to be drones? Is it going to be Wells? Is it going to be Pop Watson? What's happening? So Grant Wells was named the starter today on Triumph in an exclusive interview with our guy, Coach Pry. He got on and he uh, said that Grant is the starter, which is not surprising. Uh, I've said it since spring game. I've said it since the summer. I believe that Grant Wells, his familiarity with the system, his success at Marshall, uh, I kind of thought that that's where it was trending. What was a little bit of a surprise was he said that Kyron Drones will play in every single game. Do I usually like that? No. Is it fair to say that it's not going to work in this circumstance? No. What it truly comes down to is how are the two student athletes going to handle it? How is Grant going to handle it? How is Kyron going to handle it in the moment and week to week? And does this coaching staff, does Coach Bowen have a really good feel on the proper way to use both quarterbacks? Are they going to be able to get into a rhythm? Are they going to be looking over their shoulder the entire time? These are the questions you have to ask. We've seen it work before. We've seen it work with LSU years ago. I believe it was Flynn and Jefferson who were exchanging time. And then we saw it work again with uh, Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, coincidentally, in Florida. So I think you get the best of both worlds, regardless of what you think about Grant Wells last year. I guess, I guess it's worth saying this. Everyone reaction with Grant Wells, whether we were talking about him during the offseason or after he got the job now, was, well, we've seen enough of Grant Wells. Well, we know what Grant Wells is because we watched the game last year. Look, if you're pinning the entire lack of success for Virginia Tech's offense last year on Grant Wells, that's completely foolish. It's completely foolish. From the top to the bottom, the offense was bad. The running attack was non-existent. The offensive line struggled all year long. The wide receiver group was not a power five wide receiver group from a talent standpoint. And Grant Wells is going to be stepping into a position where we have improved at running back. We have improved vastly at wide receiver. And the offensive line has to be better than last year. And I believe they will be. I truly believe they will be. So take a look. The year before Grant Wells arrived at Virginia Tech, he threw for 3,500 yards and 16 touchdowns at Marshall. So... I am bullish on Grant Wells this year. I, again, I thought he was going to be the guy uh, since the spring game. I've been saying that publicly all the time. He's going to be better than last year. How much better is the question? So he has the weapons. He has another year in the system. Coach Bowen has another year in teaching his system and learning from last year. So we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what happens, and that's what we're doing. Um, and with the two quarterback system, Kyron Drones obviously brings a skill set and athleticism, a uh, different pace than what we're typically used to with Grant Wells. So if you're able to have two quarterbacks who are competent that have very different skill sets, 
puts a lot of pressure on the defense. So in terms of what I'm looking for out of Grant Wells this year, it's more poise in the pocket and getting from that first read onto others. If you go ahead and you watch the film last year, it seems like Grant Wells really struggled after his first read primarily wouldn't have worked out. And then you kind of freak out a little bit, take a sack, throw an interception. Um, so that's one thing. And then to the interceptions, taking care of the football. In his career, he has 31 interceptions, can't have it. He has a live arm. He has thrown for a lot of yards. We're going to have a good defense this year. I repeat, I think we're going to have a very good defense this year. You have to take care of the football. You cannot put the defense in a position where they are working with a short field and having to bail the offense out. That's what got us into a ton of trouble last year. A lot of our close games really boiled down to not necessarily the offense's inability to score points, but the defense's inability to catch their breath and get off the football field. So I think that's going to be huge for us. Our top four wide receivers were also named this week. We have Ollie Jennings, we have Daquan Felton, we have Jalen Lane, and we have our boy Gaznell. Those are going to be the top four wide receivers. I think this unit, again, drastically, drastically improved from last year. Really, really excited about it. One of the hot takes that came from Hot Wings and Hot Takes was Bryce Chalkley. Paired this up with a trivia question. Do you know how many wide receivers in the history of Virginia Tech had logged double-digit touchdowns? I'm going to take a drink of water while you think about it. Gosh, that's refreshing. The answer is one. One wide receiver in the history of Virginia Tech has logged double-digit touchdowns. His name is Isaiah Ford, and he did that in his sophomore year, 2015. He logged 11 touchdowns. He predicted, Bryce predicted, that Ollie Jennings will be number two to go ahead and do that. And I think he's going to be in a position to do that. We have a talented group. I think we're going to be better. So that is the starting four wide receivers for Virginia Tech. And then offensive line. We're going to go right to left here. We have redshirt junior Parker Clements. We have redshirt junior Bob Schick. That was a position that was really, really um, kind of one of the biggest position battles this year was that right guard position. We have Caleb Caden Moore, redshirt junior at center. He's moving over there from guard. We have Braylon Moore, redshirt freshman, playing next to his brother at the left guard. And then Xavier Chaplin, redshirt freshman. So you have two redshirt freshmen on the left side of the line. You have some seniority on the right side of the line. A lot of people have been really, really excited about Xavier Chaplin. Um, so I think that unit's going to be better. It's going to come down to health, and it's going to come down to this unit. We talked about this a couple podcasts ago. Understanding alignment, understanding assignment, feeling comfortable in what their responsibilities are. I think that's what really plagued this team last year was just not understanding the scheme, not understanding where they need to go. We talked about this on the Boundary Corner season preview. And by the way, shout out to Boundary Corner, who's done a phenomenal job this offseason. It is so important at every position, especially up front on the offensive line, to know what everybody is doing and know what you're doing on every single play. Does this person know that we are working a double team to the linebacker? Do I know what my responsibilities are? Do I know where my hat needs to go? That needs to be second nature. That can't be something that you go up to the line of scrimmage and you're thinking about. So if there's some more understanding, and um, Coach Crook is, from all standpoints and all reports that have come out, has kind of simplified things and made it a little bit easier, I think that's going to really, really help this unit. 
that's about it for Virginia Tech. What we're doing is we have the season preview coming out. It's going to be me. It's going to be Mike McDaniel. It's going to be Ed Williams. We're going to talk about the offense. We're going to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about the schedule. We're going to talk about the SNP+. Plus. If we're going to talk about that, just one thing I do want everybody to be crystal clear on. I'm going to say it every single podcast until the season gets here. Marshall is better than you think they are. Marshall is going to be the second best team we play in the month of September. September is right around the corner. This year is flying. They are going to be the second best team we play outside of Pittsburgh. So a lot of people, when they get their schedule, they're going to open it up. They're going to say, okay, Rutgers, Purdue, uh, Marshall, all right, whatever. No, Marshall's a great football team. They got a good defense. They're well coached. That's going to be a tough game. And we're going to go through all of the different angles of it on our season preview so that's something for you to tune into but i'm just leaving you with that little bit of a teaser this is what i was most excited about to talk about with you guys it's swamp kings it came out yesterday i believe may have came out the day before that i think it came out yesterday four episodes detailing the florida gator dynasty under urban meyer the early returns what everybody was saying about this was that there was not much detail on the legal and off the field issues that went on for Florida. And that is something that has been talked about pretty ad nauseum. I had watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. You can go and you can look up the Pouncey twins. You can look up some of the stuff that went on with that football team. There were a a ton of issues. You look at urban Meyer and kind of some of the questionable, not even questionable, the bad decisions that he made over the, uh, course of his career, whether it be at Florida, whether it be at Ohio State, or the absolute abject disaster that was his time in Jacksonville with the Jaguars. He didn't even finish the whole season uh, and spent a little time at the bar. Spent a little time at the bar. Um, Look, I loved this documentary. My question for you, for the people who are a little upset that it didn't dive into those specific storylines, were when you saw the trailer and you saw the cast, you saw Tebow was on there. You see Urban's on there. You see Spikes is on there. Mullen, Major Wright. Did you really think that the angle of this documentary was going to be about off the field issues? Did you really think that Tim Tebow was going to get up there and say, you know what? Aaron Hernandez was a really bad guy. Did you think that Major Wright was going to get on there and say, you know what? Urban Meyer was a, was a real bad guy. No. No, and that's not what you were thinking about when the Florida Gators situation and that season was going on. What you were thinking about was how the spread offense had uh, exploded in the SEC when years and years and years they were saying it wasn't possible. You were thinking about how talented is this team? How is Urban Meyer doing this, taking Florida to heights that it had never, ever been to before, right after Coach Spurrier had been there? And they thought that he took them to the mountaintop. Um, So, you know, I loved it. I grew up watching the SEC. I remember sitting on my couch in Westwood, New Jersey with my father and my brother watching Ole Miss beat Florida and then seeing that press conference that is absolutely legendary with Tim Tebow getting up there and promising that there wouldn't be a player that worked harder and promising there wouldn't be a team that is going to work harder than those Florida Gators. And he was right. He was right. He held up his end of the bargain. And that was a special time in college football, man. It was a special time in college football. And I tuned into this documentary wanting to talk about football. I don't need the investigative 
journalism about how Aaron Hernandez did horrible, unspeakable things. We know that, and that story has been told before, but you're not going to get that story with these cast of characters coming on a documentary to talk about it. It's not going to happen. What I loved is I loved seeing the mat drills. I loved seeing the 12 o'clock workouts in the morning in Florida, in Gainesville, to prevent guys from going out. I loved seeing the camaraderie. I loved seeing the infighting, that Tim Tebow's golden child crown that he was given by the media that he didn't even really want and how that affected the team. I loved seeing how understanding why, at least Urban Meyer, saying why he refuses to kick players off of the team because of an experience that he had with a former player who ultimately lost his life when he lost football. So um, if you're looking for this documentary to dive into the off the field issues with Florida, this documentary is not for you. If you're looking for something to relive the on the field journey, some of the backstory of the team dynamic, team building um, and camaraderie of this Florida football team and some of the personalities who you watched and turned out to be absolute legends of the game, then it is for you. So take that as you may watch it again. I don't want this to be taken as I'm condoning any of the activity that went on at the university of Florida. I think that at the end of the day, coach Meyer does have a responsibility to be responsible for his team and their actions. Um, on the flip side, I do think that, um, when you have a documentary with certain people in it and certain people's fingerprints on it, it's going to have some sort of slant for them. It's just the way it is. It's the same thing with the Jordan documentary. Um, it's just going to be slanted a specific way or they wouldn't agree to go on the show. So just something to keep in mind. A couple other observations and one of them I'm actually going to pull up while I'm sitting here. Um, the first one is the University of Florida. Is there a school that has more rivalry games than the University of Florida? I'm looking to pull it up here. Okay, so Florida Gators football, Wikipedia. They're rivals. Rivalry, they have one with Tennessee. They have one with Miami. It's an in-state rival. They have one with Georgia, the greatest tea, tea party or whatever. They play in Jacksonville every single year. LSU is considered a rival game. Florida State is an in-state rival. And Auburn and Alabama, these guys play basically every game in their schedule seems like a rivalry game. So that was that was one of the things that I that I picked up from it is basically the just sheer number of rivalries that they play. But the most important one and the one that just drives me absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. The people who dislike Tim Tebow are a sad bunch. No disrespect. If you're one of those people, more power to you. What is not to like about Tim Tebow? The fact that he came in with all of the hype and lived up to it. The fact that he was able to somehow get this cast of characters at the University of Florida, who everybody has to point out rightfully the off the field issues that they had and bring them together to ultimately win national championships and be a national championship contention. Oh, but Bill, he wasn't good in the NFL. Okay. He is one of, if not the best college football player in history, not just a quarterbacking, but leading that group. We don't say that about Johnny Manziel. Do we, when we talk about college success, we don't do that. He doesn't really seem that genuine. I don't really buy into it. 
he has been walking the same walk and the same talk for going on two decades. I know plenty of people in my life who will put on a persona and not walk and talk that talk and walk, excuse me for the word mumbo jumbo. But I also people who are about that action and live life that way. I know people who um, are faith-based or, or just are wired a little bit differently. I played with some at Virginia Tech. What do I really think that it boils down to? I truthfully, truly think that a lot of people who don't believe that he is who he says he is are hoping that he isn't who he says that he is. And that's a sad place to be. That's a sad place to be. I, I know off the field issues, extremely charitable, gives back all the time, an incredible athlete and a great overall personality and one of the best to absolutely do it in college football. So um, shout out to Tim Tebow, one of the absolute best to do it. Taking us home here. Um, this is quick. We're under 20 minutes. Um, first question that we have comes from Steve Bryce. He says, shout out to Steve Bryce, man. I know we're going to get some questions from him in the in the fall. He says, what's the ideal number of plays Grant will have and drones will have? And how can this staff make drones allotment of plays not be predictable runs? I do think that's extremely important. I think you don't want to be in a position where drones comes in, you're running the ball. Wells comes in, you're running everything else. I think Mixing it up and keeping everybody honest is extremely important. In terms of the number of plays that Grant and Drones will have, I'd like to have as much of a balance with your trust in them to line up correctly and execute the play correctly. Um, the way that Coach Pride talked about it made it seem like there are going to be specific different formations for Kieran Drones, Kyron Drones. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I think it just really – it's going to be a situational thing. And again, that comes down to trusting coach Bowen to understand the situation and the uh, skill sets appropriately to put them in a position to succeed. And, um, you know, definitely don't want to see like a one drive, one drive, one drive and figure it out as we go. But situationally, there are things that you feel better about one person in and the other person. in. we saw it in the Florida documentary the other night where, short yardage goal line situations tim tebow came in and handled business and they did mix it up with him doing some of these jump throws and everything so it really comes down to just those two being able to handle it the right way not get frustrated not get flustered if you know you don't see the field for a quarter or two or maybe a couple of games um there's going to be a lot of trust there and then ultimately trust with the coaching staff to make the right decision Sam Jesse has the final question for us he says what would your first play call be versus old dominion um man i really was about to have a boring answer I'd be like i don't know i'd probably run power to the right side of the uh right side or run some zone but i think it'd be really cool i mean if i'm thinking about you know if i go into lane stadium and you know i just get my pants knocked off by something i'd love to see a little play action great protection little drop drop it over to ollie jennings he's running wide open down the sideline takes it in for six and the hook is having the early lead i would love I would love to see that. I do think that this offense has more playmakers than we've had in a while. Um, I know a lot of them haven't really proven that in Virginia Tech uniforms, but Ollie Jennings has proved that at ODU. Basil Tootin has proved that before. De, uh, Daquan Wright has shown it at Virginia Tech. I, I think we have a lot of weapons who are able to score from far, as our guy Lane Kiffin would say. So I'd love to see that. Love to see some play action touchdown Ollie Jennings. That would uh, that would get me fired up. But 
That's a podcast not too long this week. Go ahead and check out our Hot Wings and Hot Takes. Be sure that you check out all of the awesome new stuff on sonsofsaturday.com. We are, excuse me, we are revamping our, uh, reigniting the flame on the website, getting a lot of content out to you. We've delegated a lot of different weekly forms and columns that'll come out over the course of football season. So be in tune with that. The newsletter is going to be going back out here soon. And we are working with the film crew on some very special things over the course of football season. Stay tuned for that. And also game day pins are back. They'll be making their return for the Purdue game game day, not game day stickers, but logo stickers will be coming back. And we have a third component, a yearly collectible that's coming out this year. We're working on PBR with that as well. That is a podcast Looking forward to it. We're doing the season preview next week. And we'll talk to you all soon. Be well. Watch Swamp Kings. And we'll talk soon. Toodles. Reach out to you and say. Take a hit, it's